Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. We are speaking here on September 1st, 2022. Somehow it's already September. Isn't that how it always goes as the summer dwindles? As we speak, New York City is in the midst of its process for redrawing the boundaries of its 51 city council districts with major implications for local representation for New Yorkers in their city's legislative body. If you thought redistricting was over after the chaos of the state and federal process, you were wrong. This one in New York City has been ongoing for months. It appears to be going mostly smoothly so far, although there is, of course, some controversy, some consternation, lots of healthy debate, you could say. And it has a clear process for concluding later this year without, we hope, too much controversy. But of course, it's New York politics, so we shall see. The city council redistricting process is important for a variety of reasons, including around how various communities are grouped and represented, which elected officials candidates and other political players have advantages and disadvantages, and ultimately representation in the city's legislative body around major decisions on the $100 billion plus city budget, legislation of all kinds, and much more. The process is based on the U.S. Census count, and between the 2010 and 2020 counts, New York City grew by an estimated 630,000 residents, which means the 51 city council districts are all growing in terms of their population, but only some are growing or changing in terms of geographic boundaries by significant margins. We are right now somewhere in the middle of this process where the New York City Districting Commission, with its 15 commissioners appointed by the mayor and leaders of the city council, plus its hired staff, have put forth a preliminary draft map of new city council district boundaries followed by a series of public hearings to get feedback from New Yorkers. And now the commission is taking that, what turned out to be massive amount of feedback into consideration to update the map before passing its new version and sending it to the city council for review. Then we'll see. The city council could accept the map and that's that. Maybe seems unlikely at this point, but we don't know what's going to happen. The council could reject it, send it back to the commission with notes. The commission would then get more public feedback and likely make another round of changes before it passes the final version itself. The new maps are due to be in place by the start of 2023, which will be an election year for all 51 city council seats under the new lines for another two-year term for council members. My guest today is in charge of all of that leading the New York City Council redistricting process, Dennis Walcott is the chair of the New York City Districting Commission. His name is surely familiar to many of you as Dennis Walcott has been in and around New York City government and civic life for quite a while. His day job right now is president and CEO of Queens Public Library, a position he's held since 2016. He's been a resident of Queens for much of his adult life. And prior to that position leading Queens Public Library, Dennis served as the state-appointed monitor of the East Ramapo School District, advising the New York State Education Department. And before that, of course, he was chancellor of the New York City Department of Education under Mayor Michael Bloomberg from 2011 through 2013. And before that, deputy mayor for education and community development in the Bloomberg administration. I won't go into his full resume here. You can look it up. He was also president and CEO of the New York Urban League for about a dozen years prior to his city government service. 
Dennis Walcott, thank you for being here and taking the time. You are a very busy person, so I appreciate it. How are you? I am well. I'm doing really well. And thank you for the great introduction around the process that we are undertaking. And then also listening to how old I am as well. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I experienced. You can say experience. experience. I'll just feel reality. But no, I'm doing really well. And, Good. you know, you really, I think, gave a great a uh, bit of information as far as the background that we've undertaken. And for us, I think part of our goal was to make sure we had the input from the communities. And early on, we decided that we wanted to hold uh, more community meetings, more community input to allow us to hear what folks were saying. And that provided, I think, the framework for us as we go through this decision-making process. Mm. And so I laid out the a bit of the process in broad strokes. What I didn't get into, because I didn't want to make my introduction too long here, is some of the requirements and the constraints on the commission. Maybe you can lay out some of the big ones there, because you have federal, state, local requirements that really shape this work, uh, population deviation uh, limits, the Voting Rights Act, and so forth. Can you go into that a little bit to to sort of finish out that broad strokes yeah. picture? Mm -hmm. It'd be my pleasure. And I mean, really touched on, I mean, Voting Rights Act, and we have to be very conscious of the voting rights implications. And we've had experts who are part of uh, the team that gives input to our lawyers and to our staff and to the commissioners around voting rights, also dealing with the city charter and what that means as far as the role that we play in shaping the outcome of this process, and also the U.S. Constitution and one person, one vote and what that actually means. And then you said something that really has played a major role in dealing with deviation. And I always say to folks that my college professors would even uh, still laugh at me even saying that word deviation from my statistics class, but mm. we have a 5% deviation level that we have to follow. Prior to us in the prior commission, there was a 10% deviation. So you could go up or down uh, from the largest to the smallest back then, with 10% deviation, now it's a 5% deviation, and that impacts on the decision-making. And one of the key things that you said in your introduction is the number of people that have, from the 2010 census to the 2020 census, that uh, we have to focus on. We have an additional 630,000 individuals that have moved into New York City when the census was taken. So that is a major factor in where people uh, move to, and then the implications of how we have to take a look at the lines uh, based on the populations of the various districts. Because as you know, and your audience should know, uh, that we can't go any larger than 51 districts. So we are confined to have the 630,000 people fit into the existing 51 districts with the overlay of the 5% deviation, with the overlay of voting rights implications, with the overlay of one person, one vote, and other variables that we have to take into consideration. So it is a very complex process. Yes, indeed. Um, who is who is running this process? There's you, obviously, uh, as chair of the commission. There's 15 commissioners. I'm not going to list them off. People can look up the names and their backgrounds online. So there's 15 commissioners with varied backgrounds. You have staff. You, you have to bring in, I'm sure, statistical experts and, and people on the team. Can you bring us a little bit behind yeah. the curtain in terms of, you know, who's sort of 
doing what? Sure. I mean, that's a great question because there's a person who is our executive director who is just so adept at this and so knowledgeable, and that's Dr. John Flateau. So he's the executive director, and uh, we felt we have the perfect pro uh, to be the lead person on staff to guide this process. And he has surrounded himself with individuals who have expertise in a variety of areas, representing the various boroughs, representing various backgrounds, being out there in the community and having community meetings with the individuals and different organizations as far as the process, working with the good government groups. And then we've retained voting rights experts who have given us guidance as well, and people who have various expertise in mapping design and what it means because the mapping process is a very complex process because if you make one move, say, in one particular area, it has implications for another particular area. Then we have to do the demographic analysis as far as where the populations are living and also the voting rights implications as far as not having groups that have voting rights protections really disempowered in this process. We had to be very conscious of that as well. And then we've talked about opportunity uh, districts where you have a concentration of a particular group and making sure that we take opportunities for those groups to vote. And so there's a whole, it's a whole definition of terminology out there around uh, the types of groups and their ability to elect certain individuals based on their racial ethnic background. And all those are part of either the staff expertise or the consultants that we bring into this process to make sure we're doing it the right way. And I just want to pick up on one other point you mentioned as well, in that there's going to be consternation. Yeah, there's going to be consternation because anytime you go into something that has the implications, not around the big P of politics, but the politics of individuals and what they feel is right in their particular neighborhood, uh, then you're going to have people who are both going to be pleased and people who are not going to be pleased. And I think that goes both with the volunteer job that we have as commissioners and also the professional job uh, that uh, the staff will have in dealing with the exact design of what we're putting in place. And I think one other piece, and why we made a conscious decision early on to hold even more community meetings or public meetings, because for us, it's been a lesson learned in that a number of us, while we may have citywide experience and there are a number of lawyers who are members of the commission, the volunteer members of the commission, uh, you may not know every neighborhood in New York City. And so this process, I think, has been extremely beneficial for giving us a broader view of the neighborhoods and how people define their neighborhoods and the implications of different issues in neighborhoods that make us say, you know, I really didn't know that and really taking a look at that. So all that's been put into a process that will allow us to go through the step-by-step decision-making on how we put the lines in place with the obviously expertise of the experts who will bring their knowledge to the table. But that community input is so important. You passed your preliminary map in mid-July, had a a whole bunch of additional public hearings, have gotten thousands and thousands of submissions, either in person or in writing. I think Uh, 8,000. 300 to be exact, somewhere around. Remarkable, remarkable number. Um, How are you thinking about the role of that public input now as you come back to the maps to look at what could be tweaks, what could be major changes, 
How are you thinking about what you've heard from the public? How do you make sure that an organized group of, uh, you know, certain people with a with a certain perspective are not necessarily too overly uh, influential? Uh, you know, you know, of course, all about this from your time in city government and and all of your public service, including at the Queens Library and Urban League. Um, you know, making sure that you're noting when there is some sort of uproar from a, a community, but being very careful that, uh, you know, let's say people with certain amount of resources and the sure. ability to show up at lots of meetings because they have flexible work schedules are not overpowering those who don't have the same resources to be heard. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's really important to make sure you understand the type of input that you're getting and how that input uh, really does play a major role in decision making and making sure that even those who may not be organized as well as, say, some other groups who may be extremely organized, their voice is just as important. So you don't give weight to one who is more loud or one who has more people coming out. And that's an important thing. And I think our commissioners being from various boroughs, and that's the beauty of the design. And that, as you indicated, you know, some appointed by the mayor, some appointed by uh, the speaker, some appointed by the minority leader. So I think all of us represent our boroughs as well as a citywide perspective. You bring that into discussion as well. So without singling out any one particular neighborhood at all, I mean, we heard a lot of feedback from various neighborhoods on those who felt the preliminary map didn't include all of their neighborhood. And so we're taking a look at the lines as far as, say, specific neighborhoods that people say we cut off or we didn't include properly and what that means as far as the mapping is concerned. But as I indicated earlier, and you indicated as well, that if you're looking at a particular neighborhood and they say the neighborhood goes, say, 20 blocks further to the east and 10 blocks further to the north. And if we take a look at that and what it means, what are the voting rights implications if you do expand that neighborhood? I mean, do you dilute the racial, ethnic percentages in that neighborhood where it's below a certain standard of where it was before and the implications of that and will you be out of compliance so all those types of decisions go into the discussion that we have both from the commissioner's point of view from our staff and our experts who take a look at the various demographics and the mapping lines and the voting rights implications and what it means and so we take very seriously um all the pieces of input, whether it was through coming out to the public hearings, whether it's taking advantage of people who submitted maps on our uh, map website, uh, taking a look at individuals who just submitted written testimony. Uh, as you know, and your audience should know, I mean, we had, after the preliminary map was issued, uh, five additional uh, public hearings. Uh, and some of them went extremely long. I mean, the Queens one went mm. to 1230, the one up at the Schomburg went to 10 o'clock, the one up in the Bronx at Lehman College, I think went to 10. Uh, Staten Island uh, went to nine-ish. And then uh, um, we had uh, Brooklyn, that was a unique one. We did that on a Sunday. And that went 
until the end of the prescribed time in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was from late afternoon to early evening in Brooklyn at Beggar Evers. And so we try to go to different neighborhoods and have different hours and try to be as flexible. Plus with Manhattan, we had such an overwhelming response of individuals who wanted to testify in Manhattan. We scheduled a special uh, virtual hearing for two hours the same day that we were having a regular hearing from 5.30 until we said 9, but it went to 10. So we tried to be as flexible as possible with our hours to make sure we got that input. And people came out. I mean, people came out in an organized way as a group. People came out individually. People had buses that they brought to the hearings. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah. The staff then did an outstanding job in synthesizing that information and in breaking it down for all of us to really try to capture uh, the various points. And those points have had major uh, influence in our discussion as far as taking a look at a particular neighborhood, taking a look at a particular demographic group, um, competing interests of uh, what people say we were doing with the preliminary maps and what it meant for their particular communities. And that's part of the process that we're going through right now. Can you tell us a couple of examples of the things that are at the top of the list for that reconsideration? Uh, I mean, the top line things are how you preserve neighborhoods, how you preserve uh, the demographic uh, mix of the neighborhoods and still meet the mandate that we have to follow Mm -hmm. and taking a look at Um, staying within the charter as far as crossover districts and not having crossover districts and what it meant. Um, So, for example, without giving specific specifics, because there's always an implication one way or the other, you know, someone was breaking down uh, part of what the charter said and we could and could not do. And while we thought we were following that, it still made some of us think about, okay, we have to really take a look at that and what it actually means. Taking a look at uh, neighborhoods that may have stretched too far and then how we have to make it more compact. Uh, Taking a look at various housing authority developments. And we were very conscious of that uh, from the beginning and not separating out, but there were some that we uh, may have separated. So how we make sure they're within the same community, making sure that this was very helpful as well, uh, that you didn't overload a particular uh, councilmatic district with one type of service or one type of need or an overabundance and not having it somewhat evenly distributed and how that gets played out as well. So those are some of the things uh, that we heard. I mean, in each borough, had very unique things that they felt were extremely important. And the implications of that as far as other boroughs are concerned, because we have to stay within the deviation. So the commission members and the staff uh, are really working very hard, one, to meet our deadline, which we will do, and then two, factor in the input we received from the community. And then at the same time, making sure, as you indicated in the beginning, we follow all the laws and uh, guidelines that we have to adhere to. And I must say, the the council members have been fantastic in their input, uh, because it's funny, at first, 
some thought they couldn't testify publicly. We said, mm-hmm. you're citizens. We want your testimony as well. And then what staff has been doing, they've been meeting with the council delegations uh, to go through the process and to hear what they have to say as well. So there's been, you know, the staff have had uh, discussions with the delegations. The council members came out and testified, not all, but came out and testified around um, their particular district and how their district stretches to X, but then it really should stretch to Y and what it means and all that. So that to us has been a very uh, beneficial part of the process that has guided our discussions with each other. I, want, I wanted to ask you about the influence of current city council members in some ways. They're obviously experts on their communities and communities of the city. Uh, In other ways, they are self-interested politicians uh, who are worried about their next election in many cases, most cases in this city council class. How do you um, take their feedback into consideration, but also ensure that they don't have too much influence here? So our internal process and discussions, we don't want to know and we haven't discussed where a council member lives. Uh, Mm. uh, We really haven't heard. Uh, in our discussions prior to, say, a city council member testifying, even an individual council name, member name come up. You know, so we've tried to divorce ourselves from that type of uh, discussion and input. But obviously, uh, if a council member has testified, then we'll say, well, you know, where so-and-so may have testified about X and we really need to take a look at that. Or it, it, we, we try not to, and we have not really gotten into the big P of the politics of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take a look at the neighborhood implications and what it means, the service implications and what it means, uh, and that type of dynamic itself. And people have been really good as far as the commission members and the staff along that line. And I mean, obviously they have an interest, but I mean, and I said this to someone else that I really can't think of any council member who has called and lobbied me uh, around X or anyone from the administration, uh, the executive side. I mean, they've been really, really good around that process. And obviously we've heard them in various forums. But uh, no, so our goal has been really all, it's a a, a giant, it's a fascinating process. It's a giant complex puzzle that we have to put together in a very responsible way that deals with the civic engagement of New York City and the future of New York City for the next 10 years. And I think uh, all the commission members and our staff uh, think very seriously about the role we play, but then factoring in uh, the interests of the community, including elected officials. We have to factor in their interests. And where the politics fall, that will be determined by the end game that comes out of this uh, putting together the process. Uh, I want to ask you about a few specific decisions or potential areas sure. where you may be reconsidering. Um, but But first, on the process, There wasn't a public discussion uh, sort of getting at how you made some of the decisions that you made in the preliminary map. There doesn't seem to be a plan for sort of an open commissioners meeting where there are open discussions about tweaks or even major changes that you might make before the passing the next version of the maps. Is there any chance of that? Is there any chance for real insights to hear authentic discussions about the decisions that the commission's making and how commissioners are debating, uh, where to draw these lines and communities of interest and and feedback that you've heard. 
Um, how do you think about that level of transparency here? So um, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I know we have been thinking about it a lot, and I know we've received a number of uh, letters and communication from the good government groups around that transparency. And I, I we're still analyzing how we can do that. And as I've said to several of the individuals who raised that issue, I think while we wouldn't say anything privately that we wouldn't say publicly, I think the process is so dynamic that the implications are so tremendous that we have to be very conscious of that and give people the comfort level of people being the commission members and our staff of having that type of dialogue with each other because some are not public preachers. I mean, they're there to serve a role, a civic role more than anything else. But I also understand what the public is saying, especially the good government groups and others around, hey, can you really explain to us how you got to X and Y? So um, I and we are really still thinking about how we go about that process, but I think there's been some misinformation out there as well uh, that uh, several folks have said to at least me directly. Well, you know, back in 2012, they had more of an open process and that's not true. I checked with one of our commission members, <laughs> God love him. He's been on three commissions <laughs> Third commission. And I double checked. I said, did you guys do a more open process as far as having that type of map open discussion and all that? And he said, no, not really. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I just wanted to make sure. So all that to say is I'm, 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 we and I are thinking of how we do that, but at the same time, go through this whole complex process. So I'll give you like inside information. Um, so we were discussing uh, what we've done. So I'll share it this way. You know, we, we break out into talking about the various boroughs and we uh, spent a lot of time. I mean, there's a lot of time. I'll be uh, getting into my session this afternoon on the step-by-step of both the recommendations and the input from the community and uh, taking a look at the lines. And so we were, we, the commission members and our staff, were having a very forthright discussion around one of the boroughs and if you do this over here then it impacts over here and what it means for there and then we just go back and forth back and forth so at the end of a three-hour uh process for this particular area uh we said okay we've reached our limit as far as how far we can go in our thought process right now staff we take a look at this and then you come back to us with your analysis and then we'll jump back into it again as far as taking a look at some of the next steps and the implications for uh, the lines and what we talked about earlier maintaining certain standards that we have to follow as well and that's been a very detailed deliberative process and while i understand people want to be in it then you know every little nuance then people can run out and say well it means axel means why and then it just creates more confusion and understand misunderstandings with individuals and i think that process has to unfold through our deliberative discussion and we have been very clear and honest with each other around that step by step so i hear you and i hear what people have to say and you know we will take a look at that i mean we did have a public session with our voting rights expert, what, um, several weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was an attempt to at least give that 
understanding of some of the implications when we talk about voting rights and what it means and the implications around opportunity districts and all. And she did an excellent job in laying that out. So again, we'll get back to folks, but right now we're just going through a very, very detailed step-by-step uh, deliberative process as far as the implications of the input from the community and what it means as far as the drawing of the lines. And and, and so if I'm hearing you correct, there's a chance of, of sort of an open uh, meeting like that possibly before you pass this next iteration of MAPS sometime later this month of September. I will, and we will take a look. I won't go as far as you may have gone with your statement okay. just now. But not your name, but treating it, treating it seriously. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I hear what folks are saying, but at the same time, I got to make sure we do it the right way. I will, I will say uh, the the New York City, uh, I think it was the most recent, or if, if maybe it was two, there have been so many in recent years, Charter Revision Commission uh, had some of these public deliberations that were really fascinating open discussions where commissioners disagreed. You know, they openly yeah. talked about things that they disagreed on. And it was a very uh, open, transparent conversation. I understand on some of those, you know, these are different issues, but, um, you know, that that seemed like uh, actually a somewhat refreshing, surprising level of transparency. I remember. At the I, hear you. I, no, I mean, I really I truly understand what people are saying. I mean, yeah. I do understand that. Uh, you're listening to Max Politics here with Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm pleased to be joined by Dennis Walcott, the chair of the New York City Districting Commission. Uh, the commission is in the process of considering lots of public feedback as it takes its preliminary maps and makes some kind of changes to them. We don't know whether it'll be tweaks or overhauls or what, um, but uh, we are in the midst of that process. And I appreciate the time so far, uh, Dennis Walcott. And just a few more questions before I let you go. Um also, you know, I want to say redistricting commission, and it's very hard. I've been really working very hard to say districting commission, but it's- yeah, I know, I know. Same here, same here. <laughs> um, so it seems to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be that two of the big anchor decisions of these maps were keep the three Staten Island districts whole on Staten Island, even though that means they have the most significant. Um, population deviations under counts of the of the mean and creating a new Asian opportunity district in Brooklyn. Again, that one largely based off the really significant Asian population growth shown in the uh, census from 2010 to 2020 numbers. Is that accurate to say that those are two very big anchoring uh, decisions that you made in, in drafting this first version of the maps? Yes, I think those are very big anchoring districts mm-hmm. uh, decisions. But at the same time, uh, as the map indicates, it's a preliminary draft. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful in how we analyze it as far as uh, the use of the word preliminary and what it means. And decisions can change one way or the other. And But yes, I mean, we... Uh, heard what folks said in Staten Island. We heard what folks said in other districts as well. And part of that is the decision-making and discussions that are taking place right now. And then I think one of the other things that we've heard were neighborhood-specific. I mean, it wasn't one elected official or one particular community that played a role. I mean, by going around to the five boroughs, it really made us go, hmm, either I didn't know that or it 
reinforce something that we did now. And I know there are several neighborhoods that I heard from when I was at the public hearings. I said, boy, we really need to take a look at that. What does it mean for that? And how people may have jumped to a conclusion based on the preliminary map and what it means. And their input helped us take a look at what that particular area in a particular borough meant and how they viewed it. And then for us to do the deep analysis or having staff do the deep analysis. But going back to the original point, yeah, I think that the uh, Staten Island and keeping it whole and then um, what it meant in the southern Brooklyn tier and other uh, areas surrounding that with uh, the Asian American Opportunity uh, District uh, and how that played itself out. And those are two things that obviously people reacted to in a variety of ways. But there are other areas that people reacted to both positively and negatively uh, or just with questions around other uh, areas in the five boroughs, and we have to be very conscious of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is uh, is you know, Staten Island has parts of Staten Island that are represented, you know, that that stretch. There, there are districts at other levels of government that include parts of Staten Island and parts of Brooklyn. Obviously, that is correct. New York right. 11 in Congress and, and mm-hmm. other in the state legislature. Mm-hmm. So do you consider that still on the table or is that something that you've taken off the table in, in those deliberations? Nothing's on the table. I mean, everything. Let me say it differently. Nothing's off the table. Everything is on the table. Okay. I mean, it's a preliminary draft. And so we are looking at implications as far as every decision that was made to come up with the preliminary map. And we're very conscious of that. The commission members are very conscious of that and staff are very conscious of that. And so there are a variety of uh, discussions taking place around what does it mean if we do X and what does it mean if we do Y and how do we put it together and coming out with something that's acceptable and for us to submit to the city council by the uh, deadline that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. So I want to make sure I say it clearly. Everything is on the table for discussion and what it means as far as getting to an end point for submission uh, to the city council by, what, the 22nd of September. And and for clarity, um, you can't really consider population trends beyond what was included in the census count. Is that correct? Like That is correct. Yeah. Pandemic, it, yeah. yeah. No, we had mm-hmm. testimony along that line or even where people either, as you said, uh, with the pandemic, but even with what happened during the census itself, as far as people say, well, you know, people didn't come to our particular area because Mm -hmm. of the pandemic and what it means. And there was an undercount and all that. Yeah, we understand that. You know, we, the Queens Public Library, we were involved in uh, the census count as well and getting folks out there. And we know there were a number of neighborhoods in the borough of Queens and throughout that may have not been represented properly, but we have to take what we actually have as far as the final census numbers and then factor that in. And even with that, we're showing that 630,000. I mean, it's the city of Memphis, basically, that we have located into New York City that we have to factor into that discussion. So, yeah, it's very rigid in that regard. And 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 that includes major housing development plans or places that seem to be adding no new housing. There, you can't really look at any of that. No, I mean, right. we know that 
the city that exists right now will be a different city another three years, another four years, definitely five years out. Uh, wanted to do is take a look around uh, the libraries of the Queens Public Library and see all the major development that's taking place in the communities. But that is not a factor uh, in the decision making. I think we have to be conscious of that. But at the same time, uh, we have to deal with certain presets that we have to guide us in our discussion and our decision making. Uh, last couple things here. Um, I, I could go through what I and, and listening to some of the hearings and some reporting out there. I've, I have this list in front of me that I've sort of put together of some of the seemingly top specific issues. I hear you're very reticent to, to comment on some of these. If if I throw a couple at you, can you say whether these are sort of being, you know, currently being discussed or you, you right. really don't want to go? So, no, I mean, because so, yeah. before you give me the, the question, no, please. everything is being discussed. I mean, there aren't any <laughs> okay. issues. No, yeah. and also, yeah, yeah. there aren't any issues that are not being discussed. That's why, and I understand the, you know, the question would be good to know about it directly, but the reality is, Everything is being discussed as far as those next steps. But yes, I just yeah. wanted to let you know. Sure. So, so this there's there's been uh, you know where the big sources of of pushback have gotten. Let me just list those for listeners who may not be paying close attention. There's questions about including some of the Upper East Side and Roosevelt Island in a large yep. Queens district. Yep. There's questions about uh, sort of breaking up Hell's Kitchen into different districts. Yes. Uh, there's some questions about how. Uh, sort of north in uh, on the west side of Manhattan, uh, District 7 goes. Um, there's questions about how Harlem is designed and broken up and, and especially related to the voting age population of black Harlemites in the district that is uh, predominant in, in Harlem. Um, there's questions, as I mentioned, about exactly what the design of the uh, Asian Opportunity District should be in Brooklyn. There's the Staten Island question, whether the three districts there should really be kept all uh, only on Staten Island, um, given population deviations. Uh, there's a, uh, some questions about uh, exactly what portion of the South Bronx should be included in the district that combines with East Harlem. Uh, there's currently a crossover there, but the que questions around how much. Right. Um, and then- and then let's start with your response on this one, because it's also an uh, area you're clearly very familiar with, which is Southeast Queens. There's uh, real questions around the design of the districts in Southeast Queens, uh, a, a variety of, of decisions there. Can you say a little bit about the discussions around the Southeast Queens districts? So let me add a couple of other things. Please. I think a number of the touch points that people uh, either came out publicly to testify or submitted testimony. And I mean, there were questions around Kingsbridge Armory up in the Bronx. There were questions in where it's located in which district. There were questions around the definition of Carnarcy and what that means. There were questions around uh, the areas around uh, Long Island City and Astoria and what that means. And then questions, as you indicated, around Southeast Queens and how far the district stretches and also the inclusion of JFK and what that means. And all those are discussions that we are having, believe it or not, every area that you talk about, plus some. Uh, oh, Woodside, Queens, I should mention, too. Yeah, Woodside. Was, yes. yeah, yeah. We could we go, could go on. on. 
Yeah, on and on and deal with all yes, the yes. permanently uh, in my head. But I mean, all those, in all seriousness, are part of discussions that we're having um, around every borough. I mean, it really is. And it's been a fascinating uh, process in that regard because, uh, and I'm picking on one district that I alluded to it earlier, that I mean, so say you move a line in a particular district or move an area to be beyond where the preliminary map showed it to be. Uh, but then again, you have to drill down as far as the uh, ethnic racial demographics of once you do that and what does it mean and the alignment of you know, the district was say uh, voting age population of blacks of making up a number 60%. But if you stretch that line out, then it goes down to 55%. And so the reaction to that. And so all those factors play into the discussions and how you capture, and this is the, the nuances, how you capture um, some of the racial and ethnic uh, areas to make sure your numbers are in alignment and you haven't um, disempowered individuals or different disempowered different groups. And so um, you got to look at that. So if you go 10 blocks more to the north, but then those 10 blocks north, more to the north, are more white, say, for example. And so then you capture that. What does that do for that particular area? Or you move out of uh, 10 blocks in a particular area and you go uh, with fewer uh, folks who may be of a certain background. So, yes, to your long list that you laid out and other communities that were not laid out, um, all those are part of this map making process and analyzing that. And, you know, you have expertise at the table who have that, as well as one of the things we haven't talked about in factoring in uh, the unity map and the other maps that were submitted as well. And so having examples of what the unity map is suggesting and can we follow some of those lines and the implications of that. And so, yeah, all those go into the discussion and mm -hmm. we'll come out with, I mean, the ideal is to have something that the city council uh, will be happy with when we submit it. Uh, but the reality is we are prepared to um, make adjustments based on the feedback we get from the city council. And then once we have it back from the city council, uh, we'll go back out again and have more public meetings again. And I mean, one of the things we've been trying to do and the public has a major role to play in giving that input. And so um, we'll see what happens. And lastly uh, here is um, if, if you send the, the next map to the city council and there is uh, its formal objection, sending it back to the commission uh, for for a, um, a public meeting and a, and a new draft. Do you know? Uh, do you have a timeline in mind for that? Is there is there a set timeline for when um, you would have those that final round of public hearings and really wrap up this process if it comes to that? I think we need to get back to folks about that. 
because mm-hmm. again, it depends on what I guess the feedback is, but we have to, as you indicated in the beginning of the show, get it back uh, for final uh, by the end of the year and it has to be certified by the city clerk, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. And so, I mean, all of that is part of our mandate as far as being very um, involved in the process and making sure that we meet the timeline set of prescribed. Okay. All right, we're going to leave it there. Um, I, 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 speaking for us at, at Gotham Gazette, and I think others would would uh, would would be very interested in in any next uh, decisions you make on on public discussion of consideration. So we'll be watching that closely, of course. And if you have any uh, updates on that, let us know. And really appreciate you taking the time here to discuss a lot of this process in depth with us. And hopefully this is helpful to New Yorkers who have maybe been paying a little bit of attention or no attention in this process. And uh, there is still time to add to the uh, voluminous submissions that the that the commission is taking from the public. So you're if you're just tuning into this, you still have time to submit uh, feedback by email or other means. So you can do that. Um, and Dennis Walcott, uh, very much appreciate the, the time. And, the- and thank you. No, thank you very much. It's been very helpful for me to even uh, talk about it because I think, you know, that type of feedback is extremely important for uh, the public to hear. And we do value that public input. And thank you. And I know this is often uh, uh, thankless work. So uh, uh, keep at it and appreciate the appreciate the time here. And thank you very much. Much, All right. much appreciated as well. All right. Bye-bye now.